0: Hello and welcome to Coffee and Conversations. My name is Jeff Harris. I'm the Del Norte County Superintendent of Schools. So in about the time it takes to have a cup of coffee with a friend, um, we'd like to invite you to sit down or go along with us and have a conversation around things that matter in our schools and our community. So, joining us today, we have Ray Fearing, the Director of Innovation and in Special Projects for Norte County Office of Education and also Principal of Mountain School. So, welcome, Ray. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, you know, Ray, you've been in the position for a while of really working through technology and coordinating some of the tech issues that, that go on with both the county and the district. And we're in a position now where I think we can do some really innovative things um, in the future. And that's kind of grown out of what's happened with COVID-19 and the need for distance learning and some of those other things. So how do you feel about that?
1: Well, it was interesting to be um, all of a sudden the entire district thrown into the need to have technology up and working instantly. And uh, luckily, we have done so much in this district to prepare for that, that I think we were able to do it um, a little quicker and smoother than many other places in California. So we were lucky in a sense because it was it was quite a an instantaneous, guess what, now we have to make all this work for everybody everywhere, and that was a lot to do.
0: Well, you know, there's nothing like having to change the entire educational system within two weeks.
1: <laughs> exactly. It was crazy. <laughs> but we did
0: it. You know, but we'd been working for a while, to go one-to-one with devices. We had also been working on um, making sure that we had platforms in place. You're a Google-certified educator too, right? So you'd been offering lots of classes in Google.
1: Correct, and we had, like you said, we had been in the process of moving um, every year, taking steps to increase teacher knowledge, student knowledge, accessibility, um, access to technology. So it it just accelerated what we were already doing and kind of pushed us to do a lot quicker.
0: And I don't know if if, if folks listening know either, I would say most of our new curriculum that that is coming in that we're using in classrooms all has a digital component. It's all available online. It has teacher materials online. Everything is there. Yeah,
1: Yeah, we were fortunate that that is kind of the standard with publishers um, that we've been adopting. And so we were able to um, have that available to kids easily. And they didn't have to have a book necessarily that they could access that content digitally.
0: Well, so, you know, that brings up some interesting points because – Um, when we had to close facilities, we weren't able to send a book home with every child, right? I mean, it happened, school was as normal on Friday and then it was gone on Monday. Um, but as we moved into the distance learning piece, we had to get information out. We had to get curriculum out. We had to do those things. Um, and so one of the things that really kind of popped to the forefront, well, I shouldn't say popped to the forefront. It's taken us three months, right? (laughs) Was, uh, how was this working for everybody? So a couple of weeks ago, you put out a survey, very preliminary survey, but but talk a little bit about what was in that survey and what we found from it.
1: So the we have two surveys that we have worked on and sent out. The first one was really, like you said, a preliminary survey to assess um, what are people thinking about for fall, because there's a lot to planning for school starting in the fall. And there's so many pieces and parts, this big machine that is our school system that we need to know what were people thinking so we could plan accordingly. So we sent out just a simple survey and asked people to identify how many kids were in the home. And out of those kids in the home, um, we put them into grade bands. So if they had a, a child in TK through 2 or 3rd through 5th, 6th through 8th or ninth through 12th, they could say for that child, um, what would be their preference for school in the fall? Because there's a lot of different factors affecting people's choices for school. And we wanted them to be able to let us know what they were thinking so they could choose to have um, that they would be interested in having traditional school, just I want my kid to go to school all day, uh, face to face or a hybrid model where they might be on campus part of a day every day or just a couple days a week or fully online. And so that produced a lot of really good information and um, we have sent out um, a PDF with that information. So that hopefully that has been out and about. But what we found was that over 2,000 students were represented by that survey. So that means over a thousand people took it and they all have multiple kids and in many cases. And so that's over 50% of our student population that was represented. So that's really good community response.
0: Right. So, so out of about 3,600 students we had 2,000 that were represented in the survey. Mm-hmm. That's great.
1: It is. That's a really good good response. That was nice to see. And then we um, looked at the data um, about their model preference for how school might look in the fall, um, just so we could do that preliminary planning. And what was interesting is all the responses were pretty consistent. We didn't have... A bunch of responses in high school and none in kindergarten we had a pretty equal amount of responses in every grade level Mm -hmm. which was nice and then um, it was pretty consistent also with their model preferences that as you looked at it um, in every grade band that tk to second third through fifth sixth through eighth or ninth through twelfth there was around 60 to 65 percent that won a traditional school right and then around 23%, 20%, even up to 30%, uh, wanted a hybrid model. Right. And then the smallest portion, of course, was a fully online model. But that was still um, over 10% in every grade
0: band. You know, so as we play out those numbers, I, I think the really interesting part is – in thinking through ten percent of thirty-six hundred students, or even ten percent of the two hundred or two thousand students, um, still says that we've got about two hundred to three hundred and sixty students who may be interested in a fully distance learn learning model as we move into next year. And you know, I think we have to have some real conversations around the fact that um, what we saw this year was not necessarily distance learning. It was more crisis learning, um, but still, the fact that two to two hundred to three hundred and fifty families might be interested in that, I think, is really interesting.
1: It is, and that's an entire school. I mean, that's a lot of kids, right. and uh, that's them uh, selecting that option, even based on the fact that they weren't experiencing fully online school. Um, during this time, they were really experiencing, as you said, crisis learning, and we were doing the best we could, but they weren't getting a comprehensive program that covered all standards and assessment and and all those things.
0: Right, and because the uh, a full a full distance learning model is much more robust, right? You have what what we call synchronous learning, where you have that that kind of in person live person in front of the camera engaging with students back and forth. You also have the asynchronous piece where there's practice, there's other work that can be done. Um, there are resources that are embedded in that. There's textbooks and curriculum that are embedded. Assessments can be done in that. Feedback can be done in that. Attendance can be taken. And there's a lot of things.
1: Yeah. And online school doesn't mean you're sitting in front of a computer for six to seven hours a day. Right. Um, what it does mean is that, you know, you do things on your own time at your own pace and it's a little more personalized in, in how, where, and when you access your learning. Um, but fully online school also has clubs, extracurricular activities, tutoring, elective courses. I mean, all those things you'd have Having a traditional school just provided in a slightly different way, right?
0: Well, and and I think that the other thing that would be kind of that's kind of interesting too. So, sixty six percent of the respondents said they were interested in regular school, right? Traditional school, and um, knowing what we know now about COVID nineteen, kind of projecting where we may be in the fall, um, I, I don't think I haven't had any indications from anybody at any level that we would necessarily be allowed to do that. Um, so we still have about 25% of the folks who, who kind of choose that blended learning model or would choose it, and I think we'll all be experiencing that to some degree next year. Um, so in your, in your opinion or in your thoughts, how does the blended learning model um, maybe differ a little bit or how is it the same to the distance learning model?
1: So in the blended model, um, some of their instruction might happen in the classroom, Mm -hmm. whereas an online model, all instruction happens digitally or virtually. So, you know, having students come to school in the hybrid model could be that, I know, at Mountain, we're looking at having possibly our K-2s on campus every day because it's a very small group and we can do that um, and not have a, a overloaded classroom full of kids. So they may come every day, but only part of the day. And then we may have our third through fifth graders come in different cohorts or at different times um, to reduce the numbers of kids in the room at the same time. But then when they're not at school or when they're not having that instruction with the teacher on campus, they would be pursuing other learning. So maybe doing research, writing, um, math, other things that the teacher will prepare and provide in a virtual environment.
0: Okay. So... That was the first shot, right? That was our first glance at what what folks think that they either what they thought might work for them or or what preference would be um, but now we're diving a little bit deeper so on Wednesday this week, we released another survey. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what's in that survey?
1: Sure, so we actually sent it out last Friday to teachers and principals. And ask teachers to um, facilitate getting it to their students if possible. We knew we were wrapping up having the technology at home, but we still had some time. So we did send it out early to them so they could get a jump on it. And then this Wednesday, we, we sent it out to parents. And that will be all the survey will be open. Anybody can still take it through next Wednesday. So what we did is we um, use a program called Clarity, which is part of Bright Bites. And that is a... Um, a platform for collecting data on technology and learning that we've been using for probably five years now. So we have a lot of data over time about our use of technology and the effectiveness of that use of technology, which is very useful in making decisions about what we purchase. So they came out with, during uh, this time of crisis learning, they partnered with ISTE, which is the International Society for Technology and Education, to create a survey during remote learning to help districts collect data on how it went and how it's going. So we that's what we're using. And they have um, a variety of, of surveys broken down for elementary students, which is third grade through eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, third grade through fifth grade is elementary. And then sixth grade and up, there is a middle school and high school survey. It's also for teachers, principals and parents. And it's really designed to um, assess the experience of remote learning for that core education team, the student, the teacher who's facilitating the learning, and the parent. And all the surveys are designed to take around 10 minutes. I know some people say it takes longer, and so, <laughs> you know, you can't really account for that. But they do try to design it to be not overwhelmingly long, but provide uh, good data. And so the kinds of questions that they're asking on that, um, if let's see here talking about what the students are asking, they're asking them things like, um, you know, how often were you accessing learning? Um, Did you have trouble with your computer? Mm -hmm. Um, How often were, were your teachers providing new lessons? Things like that. And it's similar for the people as well. Um, For the parents, I'm sorry, as well, not people. Um, They asked them things about their experience. How did it go? Was there trouble accessing different programs? Um, Did you contact or was a teacher contacting you frequently? You know, what were issues that you had? What went well? What was difficult? So that we can collect that data and use that to inform where our weaknesses were or what was hard for people and help to alleviate, alleviate those barriers in the future so that if we are in some type of distance learning model, that we can make sure it's positive, that it's um, supportive for our families, and that we can get the most learning to happen during that time.
0: Well, and also so that we can proactively address those barriers that popped up this year, right?
1: Right. We want to know what the barriers were. I mean, we definitely tried to make sure every student had a computer and that they had access to Wi-Fi. By
0: by the way, 2,400 computers issued to 3,600 students. So almost two out of every three students took a district computer home. So that's pretty amazing.
1: It is. It was a lot, a lot of managing devices. And, and that's not just a computer, that's headphones. <laughs> that's right. And um, mice, you know, to move the computer occasionally, not always, but there was a lot of equipment that went with that. So
0: no, so that, that's pretty amazing. So as we as we gather this data back, um, we've already sent it out to teachers. We've we've tried to get it out to students. We are now asking for parents and community to to also uh, get that to us Uh, and that closes next wednesday
1: it does we'll close it next wednesday end of day
0: okay so um for anybody listening we'd really like you to complete that survey Uh, we've said it time and again uh, i don't think most of our parents or students signed up to do homeschool or distance learning this year i think it was a uh, uh, a unique challenge that was thrust upon them so we'd like to hear back from you. And again, that is uh, that survey is going to close on June 10th. So get those completed.
1: Yes, and we're excited to see the data. Um, we have had, I did do a check to see what the response was, and we've got um, surveys being completed in all categories, students, parents, and um, principals or administrators. So that's nice to see that information coming in. And then after the 10th, um, within about, 24 to 48 hours, we should have a summary of that data, and then we can put together um, that data to share it with the community and to share it with the school district so we can start using it.
0: Perfect. And and just so that everybody knows, too, as we plan for next year and as we think about what our programs might look like or we'll, as we think about how we're going to restart school, um, everybody's engaged in this process. We're. Ray, as a principal, I know that you've also been um, meeting with all the other principals and with me every morning, anywhere from a half hour to an hour or or longer, (laughs) (laughs) talking about uh, some different uh, reopening options and and things that are affecting how we're delivering instruction now. Um, We're also working on reopening model and things that need to be done as we reopen schools. Um, We're engaging our classified staff, certificated staff, administrative staff. Um, and this is where we really start engaging families in those processes, too. So I, I really want to thank you for that and all the thought that you've put into everything around distance learning and and around the um, technology, the innovative things that you really brought to the, to the table in the forefront during the crisis learning.
1: Thank you. And, you know, the goal is always to make sure our students uh, go as far as they can. To make sure that they're learning everything they can learn and and supporting everybody in that process and and I agree this was such a um, huge shift on a dime when this happened and it was hard for parents I mean they had multiple kids at home possibly in different grades and they had to work Um, our teachers are not trained to teach online you don't just do what you do in the classroom on a computer that doesn't just happen so they have had to really shift and the amount of learning they've been doing Right. is is amazing. They have gone above and beyond to improve their skills, gain knowledge, so they could support students in this situation. So it's been a huge effort, and I think we've done a great job. It's not perfect. There were bumps along the way. We'll continue to have bumps, but I think everybody's really tried hard.
0: Well, again, Ray, thank you for joining us um, today. We've had Ray Fearing, the director of innovation and in special projects, and principal of Mountain School. If you have any questions regarding distance learning or or any of the things that we've talked about today. Feel free to contact the district or visit www.dnusd.org family support or the general website www.dnusd.org. You can also visit different school Facebook pages to see if there is any additional information on upcoming events or um, things that you need to know for your child. So thank you very much.